Mac Power Users, episode 131, Back to Markdown with Eddie Smith. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. And we also have a guest this week, Eddie Smith, my pal. How are you doing, Eddie? I'm doing great, David. I, I How are call, you doing, Katie? I'm doing great. I so call you Eddie, guys have some news, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I'm calling Eddie my pal because we've been <laughs> spending a lot of time together lately um, on text messages and even the telephone once in a while. We pick that up just for giggles. And uh, we wrote a book together, uh, the Max Sparky Field Guide to Markdown. And it's now in the iBookstore. So we thought we'd go back and talk about Markdown a little bit. Yeah, and, and best of all, we're still speaking, and it's funny because I'm actually it's writing a book is a lot like building a house, and there can be some stressful moments, but uh, we're <laughs> we're still friends, we're still pals, so that's a bonus. <laughs> it's stressful. I, I'm a peach to work <laughs> <Yeah>. with, right? <laughs> no, it was awesome. Every aspect of it was a blast. I had a great time doing it. So, guys, how did you get together and decide that you wanted to do a book on Markdown? I mean, I know you both use Markdown in, in pretty much for all of the, the, the writing that you do in your uh, professional and your personal lives. But what made you decide, yeah, we want to sit down and write a book on this topic? Well, as I said a- in the book, I, I dream in Markdown. So <laughs> it was a natural. But, but, you know, both Eddie and I and you, Katie, we all receive a lot of questions from people saying – I don't really understand what this markdown thing is and why oh, I need it. Right. And um, there is no book on it out there, really. And uh, I, you know, I'm looking at for these field guides subjects that I think of particular interest to people and can help, you know, move the ball forward on on getting people better at technology. And I think that you know, markdown is a big deal because the multi-platform stuff isn't going away, and anybody who wants to write needs a nice way to do it. Across many platforms, and uh, this just seems like a natural. So, so Eddie and I got talking. Yeah, I mean, and I don't remember which one of us approached the other one about doing it. I know it was sometime last year, but uh, we both agreed it was a good idea. And I think it just sort of satisfies sort of this new emerging need uh, with the Internet. I mean, there's so much information about so many topics scattered across the Internet, but the Internet has a way of, of burying things over time. And, you know, for geeks like us that are completely up to speed on Markdown, you know, of course we know how to – you know, we know which sites to go to, to to read a tip or two, but for somebody new to it, they're not going to have that knowledge. And so um, having a resource that's bundled into one concise package like this, I think is going to be really useful for, for those people that maybe have uh, been you know, putting it off, getting around to, to learning Markdown, or just people that have never heard of it, but maybe want to find a better way to write. So um, I think it's going to be useful to a lot of people. You know, it's funny when you guys told me that you were doing this book, and I've kind of been on the secret for a little bit. My my first thought was, um, and sorry, really a, a book about Markdown. I'm not sure how that's going to translate, you know, a, a book about writing in a text style. And then the more that I thought about it, I, you know, I thought, you know, that really does make sense because Markdown is a, is one of the most frequently asked questions that, that David and I get is, why do I need this Markdown thing? Everybody's talking about it. I just don't understand why I need it because I everybody knows how to write. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you know how to write and you've developed some some method for, for putting text on a page or text in a computer that works for you. And what you can really do in this book is you can show them um, both through the written word, all in a consolidated guide, field guide, 
um, as well as through visual tools, exactly the input and the output and what you get through the various steps of the markdown process and why this is, you can actually show them step by step rather than explaining to them verbally in a podcast or just in plain text written form, why they might want to, you know, look at using markdown and incorporating into their workflow. Yeah, this really goes back to the the discussions we've had even on this show before. You know, when I wrote books for the big publisher, it was great, but there are a lot of limitations to a book that's going to be printed on paper and stuck in stores. You know, just there's things you can't do. I mean, you can't crazy glue in an iPod touch on every page to show a video screencast. Not That'd unless it's a, a really expensive book. But the um and so I just love, love, love this iBooks author medium because it allows me to teach about this stuff in a way that I always wanted to do so badly and now can. This book has twenty seven screencasts in it. So there's twenty seven separate movies showing you all the 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 most basic pieces of how to do markdown to some of the real power tips. And then uh, it's also got, this is something it's an hour and a half video. So it's like a movie uh, length, you know, a video in the book, but it's also got a new feature, you know, having done a couple of these field guides, I'm continuing to learn. And one of the things about the paperless book I was never happy with was, you know, I have a chapter at the end about my workflow for paperless, but you know, I don't have a monopoly on smarts on this stuff. And there's some people out there that have really great workflows that are different than mine. And I always wanted to share more. So this book, we have a whole chapter devoted to workflows. And we did it interesting. We did it all as audio interviews. So we've got Eddie's workflow, mine, Merlin Mann's, Fletcher Penny, Gabe Weatherhead, Federico Vitici from over at Max Stories. Who do, who did I miss? Oh, and um, and Brett Terpstra. How Brett I miss Terpstra, that right? yeah. Yeah. So, and it was really great because, you know, we couldn't do full like video interviews with them because we already had an hour and a half of screencasts and these books can only get so big before they start breaking. So we did it as audio, but I thought it came out really great. Didn't you, Eddie? Yeah, I totally agree. And I, you know, just echo everything you say about this format. I mean, when Apple first unveiled iBooks author, I mean, it was just really a wow moment because, you know, for the first time, you know, it was so easy for anybody to you know, take advantage of this multimedia format. And, you know, something like Markdown, where, you know, most of the stuff, like if you do a Google search and you come across a blog post, you'll find where somebody tried to describe something in text. And, you know, some elements of Markdown are easy to convey that way, but others are just way easier to convey, you know, literally in like 15 to 20 seconds of video. And so, you know, this medium allows you to balance all that out. And so things that make sense to put in text, we did that. Things that made sense to illustrate in a video, we use that medium. And then the interviews at the end, I kind of look at that as sort of like bringing in like a podcast element because, you know, there's so much information that's essentially just put in a, in a vault when it goes into podcasts because it's not really searchable online that easily. And there's, you know, I've listened to countless podcasts over the years where people have, you know, talked about Markdown and, and that's all, you know, lost to somebody who's, you know, doesn't know to go back and listen to those podcasts. So, you know, all that to say, I mean, this is just a very powerful medium and I think it suits the Markdown subject very well. Well, let me ask you this, and um, who who is this book for? When when you sat down to write it, um, you know, are are you trying to get people who have no experience or expertise with Markdown and are interested in learning about the language? Is this book for them? Is this book for people who may have have some interest in Markdown but already know the basics? Or can this book 
be for anybody really at any any level is there something that even somebody who knows and uses markdown can learn you know that's a good question i the target audience for this book in my mind is in a beginning to intermediate markdown user somebody who's curious about it and never really picked it up you know who wants you to kind of connect the dots for them because this book starts very much with basics um you know it's i mean the most basic thing of markdown is is italics to do italics you put an asterisk on either side of the word and an underscore or an underscore on either side of the word and we talked about this we did a markdown show on mac power users several years ago um and so anybody listening to this just learned how to do italics and markdown. It's that simple. And you don't need a book to learn that. But the, it gets a lot more detailed. And there's ways to link images and do web links. And, you know, even when you get to the multi-markdown, there's footnotes. And so the, the syntax gets necessarily more complicated. And at some point, it goes from a simple duh moment to you need to see somebody do it. And that's why we, we made all these screencasts. So I think really the beginner or the, or the markdown curious type is is really the ideal audience for this. But that being said, um, you know, we got some great stuff with those workflow interviews. I mean, you know, Merlin, um, we were going to try and keep it like five minutes. I think we did like 20, <laughs> you know, because well, Merlin, it was Merlin. He, he's got so much to share and, and he's got really great ideas. And it was Can't fun talking that up. <laughs> well, and, and frankly, why do we need to? You know, right. I mean, the idea is to share this stuff. And then like when we get in the there's a chapter called Advanced Markdown where we go through and really kind of dig into the nitty gritty about multi markdown and what that is and how that helps and how you can use it to do some stuff. And then there's some movements. Gabe Weatherhead has got a movement going now to add track changes to markdown, which is kind of mind blowing. We, we put a section in there on that. So so there's some advanced stuff in there. Um, but I think the real key for this is people who are, are curious about this stuff and want to learn it or have kind of tried but not really figured it all out yet, because. Uh, my, I guess my point is I, I get very um, evangelical almost about technology because I love the way it makes my life work better. And, and Markdown is one of those things that really did improve things for me. I can write anywhere. I mean, today, you know, I was writing a brief and Pete's coffee and it was done in Byword on Markdown and, you know, all that stuff just transitions over to my Mac and then it gets into legal pleadings and nobody ever knows the little tricks I've used, but it's made my life better and made everything work better, you know? Yeah. And I just, just want to add to that, that, you know, and, and, and I'm, I kind of come at this from a different perspective than David, because David, you know, obviously wrote the first two of his field guides and uh, I was a reader of the first two of the field guides and they were both on subjects that I was already pretty well versed in. I mean, paperless and then mountain lion, but I still, you know, learn something from those books. And I think this is sort of the same way. I think even if you already know Markdown pretty well, you're probably going to come across something in this book that you didn't know before. And even if it's one little thing that makes, you know, your workflow better or, you know, just makes your life easier, I mean, you'll be glad that, that you read it. And uh, But I, th I think the audience or the reader that, you know, will will warm the cockles of my heart the most, so to speak, is, you know, somebody that doesn't know much about, you know, Markdown, somebody that feels like, or, or maybe somebody like in their, their early 20s or something that truly, you know, probably only knows word processors or Microsoft Word, and, and they never really knew what it was like to write their first draft on a piece of paper or do something before they get to a WYSIWYG, you know, word processor. If it, if it causes them to rethink 
the writing process and sort of rediscover or really discover for the first time, you know, how liberating it can be to get away from, you know, all that overhead and just focus purely on the writing. I think, you know, that will probably be the most rewarding to me, you know, is, is that type of audience, if we can attract that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the, I can tell you that I find these field guides, um, you know, I think I got accused this week of being schmaltzy on Twitter, but the fact is I just get so much joy out of being a part of this community and, and helping out in any way I can. So when I put these field guides out and I get the emails from people who say, Hey, you know, we just switched our whole business to paperless using your system and we're loving it. Or, you know, something you wrote helped me get my work done faster and get home to my kids sooner. That, that is like right in my wheelhouse and it just makes me want to do more and more of this stuff. So uh, I'd agree with you, Eddie. I, I think it's going to get beginners and intermediates in, but I think advanced people will find something in there probably of value. Yeah. I mean, I certainly learned things as I was putting it together and I've been using Markdown a while. Um, so there's, there's always something to learn. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit um, because I'm, I'm guessing there are probably some people who are listening to the show who have no idea what we're talking about. And, and we've been talking about Markdown, 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 Markdown for 13 yeah. minutes or so. And, and <laughs> They're and, gone by now, so it's okay. It's oh, maybe they're gone. But, <laughs> you know, maybe they didn't hear the first Mac Power User show or maybe this, this is their first exposure to Markdown. So I – I do want to talk a little bit about the basic introduction of, of what Markdown is and then get into some of the, the tips of that. But maybe before we do that, maybe this would be a good time to take a quick break and, and talk about our first sponsor. Yeah, and that's a great sponsor. It's Hover. And uh, Hover is the, uh, the the sponsor that I love for simplified domain management. Uh, you've probably registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services and that you're not interested when all you want is a simple .com or .net. And there's a lot of weird .whatever choices out there and more coming, but Hover's got all of them. Um, so what you do is go to hover.com and you just type in a domain, whatever it is, maxsparky.com is how I started. And it's available. You can buy it right there. And you can pay your 15 bucks, and you're going to own it for a year. There's not going to be a whole lot of upsells at you. They're not going to try and sell you on a bunch of extra services you don't need. They're going to give you domain privacy as part of your purchase. And you can do more with it too. You can add them. You can have, I've got a whole catalog of domains I bought. I mean, one of the ones I purchased was the names of my children. So they, I've got domains for them. And in addition to providing this domain service, you can also set up your email hosting through hover too. And I've got maxsparky.com. All my email is, is run right through them. So they have real human beings available for support. Their number is right on the front page of their website. And if you've got any problems, you just pick up the phone and call. They have a no-hold policy. Somebody just answers the phone every time. I've had a lot of trouble over the years dealing with domain management. You know, when I first got into it, I really had no clue what I was doing. I remember buying the, the domain for my law firm, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it was like 300 bucks, and I was completely lost. Now it's so easy, and you just do it through Hover.com. I love these guys. Um, I started using them long before they were a sponsor of the show, and I will continue using them long after they are. So go check out Hover.com, and you can get 10% off anything that you buy from Hover.com with the word Mac Power Users, no space. So just type in Mac Power Users, you get 10% off. 
Yeah, I've I've registered a bunch of domains recently. I kind of have this problem where I'll do it in spurts. I woke up the other morning and had a couple of ideas in my head and popped on over to Hover and boom, registered a few more domains. And one of the things that I really like about Hover is that they don't pepper you with emails. They send you the email that your domain's about to expire or it's about to auto renew depending on your settings and that's it. So anyway, thanks to Hover for their continued support of Mac Power users. There's a lot of shaky stuff going on on the internet, but Hover is like one of the good guys. You can do business with them and know you're in good shape. Yeah. So guys, let's assume that we've got listeners out there who have no idea what this markdown thing is that you've spoken of for the last 14 minutes, but they kind of like this Mac power users thing. And so they figure maybe you'll talk about it at some point and they've they've stuck it out until now. um, So give me the very basics. What is markdown? And why should that be something that I'm interested in? You know, I almost think the first question is why, yeah, why Markdown? I mean, what is the point of all this? Because like you said, everybody already knows how to write. Um, Markdown is a syntax and it's by, it was created by John Gruber, who a lot of Mac people love as the the author of Daring Fireball. He used to have a podcast on 5 by 5 Now he's got his own over, I think, on Mule uh, called the... Um, the talk the show. Talk show. And, talk show. you know, John is probably one of the most well-informed commentators on the Mac community and Apple in general. He's been doing it. He was the original Apple blogger, I guess I would say. But, the you know, I've had a few chances to meet him. I wouldn't call him a friend. I mean, we haven't hung out together. But John and I have, have talked to each other several times. And I've always told him that I know he's this big rock star, a blogger. But... I will always be so grateful to him for creating Markdown. And it's one of those things of someone scratching their own itch. And it comes, it goes back to the fact that he is a blocker. So he was writing for the web and he was probably writing in HTML at the time, which is the language of the web. And he got tired of it because when you want to make something italic on the web, you've got to put in a whole bunch of HTML code. In fact, anything you want to write on the web needs all this HTML code around it. So the browser, Safari or whatever browser you're running, can interpret that and render it on your screen. And HTML is is not an overly complicated language, but it is it is fidgety, I guess. Was that the right word for it, you think, Eddie? Um, yeah, uh, it, or fiddly, yeah, and it, it gets in your way. And I think that, like you said, I mean, HTML or basic HTML is is pretty easy. It's not like trying to learn some kind of, you know, dynamic computer language, but it makes it so difficult to read what you're writing, particularly if you start putting in, you know, hyperlinks and those sorts of things, because, and we illustrate this in the book with, with an amusing, but not crazy example of how, you know, impossible it becomes to read something you've written once you just throw in a couple of hyperlinks and, if you're writing, you shouldn't be worried about all that stuff. You shouldn't be, you know, trying to sort your way between, you know, symbols and, you know, slashes and dot coms and things like that. I mean, you just want to read, you know, the thoughts that you're putting down. And so, yeah, I think John Gruber, you know, you rewind, what was that back in 2003, 2004 era? And, you know, it's a time when, you know, the web was obviously, you know, catching on. I mean, the, the Internet was definitely there to stay. Bloggers were kind of coming in, uh, you know, to their form. And, you know, there were these WYSIWYG type HTML editors that were popping up. But, you know, there was just not a way to just simply just write, you know, you know, clean words on a page and, and then translate that into HTML. And so he probably created it, I'm guessing, as a way to solve 
a very basic problem that he had as a writer and then, you know, put it out there on the web for everybody else. And uh, it just kind of, you know, it kind of sat there probably for a few years and it was used by people who wrote for the web and who knew about it. And, and as we noted in the book, you know, it it was just sort of there smoldering almost waiting to really, you know, catch a blaze when iOS came along. And, okay, so let me know, interrupt there just for a second. So sure. so that's the idea. So he's writing, and John's also a very good writer. If you read Daring Fireball, I think he's a really smart guy. And and he wanted to be able to proofread and see the stuff he was writing better with all out all this HTML code. So Markdown and its barest essential is a way of writing that can at, take a plain text file and add formatting to it, like italics and bold and links to the web and links to images and all the things you want to do with with text more than just plain text. And it does it in a way that's easy that you can write with any keyboard and you can write it in any app, even text edit. And once you're done writing it, you can sit back and look at it and you can actually read it and proofread it. So you get all that computer gobbledygook basically out of the way. So that's why he built it, to write for the web. And then, like Eddie was saying, uh, then we have this development. Apple starts coming up with iOS devices. And the iPhone and the iPad aren't necessarily very good at rich text. And frankly, I think the rich text format has a lot of flaws in it because it's not uniform. It's very difficult. So uh, people want to write on these fancy mobile devices they have, but they're basically stuck with plain text. But they still want to be able to put italics and bold and links and all the other stuff we do when we write in them. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, all of a sudden, you know, nerds like Eddie and I start discovering Markdown and say, well, this was great to write for the web, but it's also great for us just to write anything. And we start adopting it into these workflows between these various devices. And that's where I think Markdown really blossoms. Yeah, so, you know, so basically Markdown is just a way of writing content that will ultimately have formatting, a rich formatting, you know, bold, italics, hyperlinks, and then later it was extended by Fletcher Penny into multi-markdown. You can create tables and footnotes and, you know, all sorts of really sophisticated elements, not only for the web, but for documents. So even if you're not a web writer and you're just trying to create things that will end up in PDF or other forms, there are ways to do that, and, there, and those ways are not that hard anymore because there's been this, this flourishing of, of app development around it that makes the process of going from just that plain text file to your finished product, it makes you know that very easy. So, um, so yeah, it's really evolved into something that just allows you to write and then click a button, and then you've got output, and you're not you don't get trapped in this sort of you know, it, this WYSIWYG world, you know, that stands for what you see is what you get that was really made popular by word processors like uh, Microsoft Word that really tempt you to play with the formatting and, and really get ahead of yourself before you're finished writing. And so um, it's just I find that it's just way more efficient to to start with plain text. And then and then John just gives it away. I mean, he doesn't there's no license for Markdown. It's not a language you buy. It's just out there. He basically donated it to the world. And all these great app developers have have latched on to that. So now there's apps for the Mac, for the for even Windows and iOS and iPad and iPhone that all take this Markdown syntax you will write in very easily and export it to rich text or export it to 
to HTML or make a PDF or even make a keynote file. There's all these things you can do with this markdown text. So once you learn the basic syntax, it's like opening the world to you. And uh, and what we wanted to get across with this book is, you know, teach you how to how to write in markdown and then teach you all the great tools out there to take advantage of it. And I want to touch on that point for a minute because I think that can be a concept that's that's a little bit harder to grasp because there, you, you talk about so many different tools in this book, which we'll get to a little later. But if I want to just write something in Markdown, do I need anything special to do that? And I think the answer is no. But but tell me why why that's in why that's important. I mean, why are you advocating that I write in Markdown and 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 write in this type of format and just a a, a plain old text editor as as opposed to you know, just opening up a Word document and going ahead and typing Times New Roman and hitting the little B button when I want to bold something and the I button when I want to italicize something. What's, yeah, what's well, the benefit? There's a couple of reasons. I mean, the first is Word is only going to be on one computer. It's going to be on your Mac or your PC. Well, it's on two platforms, but there is no Word on your iPhone or your iPad. So you've just tied yourself to the desk that wherever that Word is installed. I think the more important thing, though, is that Word is a proprietary format. And in, in the book, I did a screenshot of a Word file opened in a text editor. And it's crazy. It was a five-word Word file. And there was just tons and tons of gobbledygook on this screen. You couldn't tell what it was. And so my concern with these using these proprietary formats is that in the future – you're going to want to access that data again sometime, and you're not going to be able to. I mean, just think back for those of us that have been computing a while, all the word processors we've used over the course of our lives. MacWrite. Yeah, MacWrite. Clarisworks. I probably, Apple I probably, Yeah, I probably got MacWrite disks around here somewhere, and I'm not sure how I could get this stuff off that. Whereas plain text, which is what Markdown is, I mean, it's got formatting in it, but they're just character formats, so... You'll be able to read it just fine. Plain text is here forever. I mean, our great-great-grandchildren are going to be able to read a plain text file. I'm not sure that they will be able to read a docx file. So you're giving your words some a degree of immortality by by bringing it down to the lowest common denominator that is that is plain text and, and what is markdown. Yeah, and it's it's important. And I, I can't remember who said this. It, it may have been uh, Dr. Drang uh once said something like uh, he he was commenting on the fact that he used MacWrite back when that was popular, and he was saying something like, you know, a paper that I wrote in MacWrite is as available to me as if it had been written, you know, in the 17th century. <laughs> and it's true, because if you hadn't printed it on paper, you would have absolutely no way to access those words. And I think it's kind of funny that despite, you know, you know how you know advanced these word processors, uh, word processors seem to be. Rather, um, they kind of fail at that longevity problem. And uh, but yeah, as you noted, plain text doesn't suffer from that. The other important thing about plain text is it it makes your writing independent of the application. And so, if it makes sense to be in Byword for something, you can be in Byword. But if it makes sense to maybe jump into a more advanced you know, text editor, you can be in that place. Or if you, you know, pick up your iPad and head to the coffee shop, you can open, you know, Notesy. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because I'm throwing out apps. But but the point is, it doesn't matter who made the application or when they made it, they're all going to be able to read the writing because it's in plain text. And that's very, very important, uh, especially in a time when, you know, everybody's busy 
and maybe you don't have the ability to sit down and write for extended periods of time. Um, you know, maybe you only have, you know, 15, 20 minutes to an hour here and there. And we've got all these devices now that are with us and it makes it possible to keep a writing project going. Uh, and really, you know, the core of that is plain text. I mean, that's really what's enabling that to happen. Yeah. I mean, and the, um, in addition to the future proof, the fact is these files are really small. And so now when we're trying to sync data everywhere, using text files is, is the lowest common denominator. It does sync really fast. I think one of the reasons why I'm generally happy with iCloud and so many people aren't is the kind of stuff I sync with iCloud are things like Byword documents, which are, in essence, text files. They're small. It's easy for them to sync. All right, so so we've danced around the apps a little bit. Um, maybe it's time to just dig in and talk about some of them. Are we are we there, guys? Why not? Well, I sure. guess I mean maybe we should just talk a little bit more about what you can do with okay. with Markdown. I mean, and and we go through the book. There's a screencast literally for every different element of the syntax, and there's quite a few of them: italics and bold, headers, paragraphs and line breaks, horizontal rules, block quotes lists and bullets, code, so you can insert programming code, links, images, inserting HTML, and you can even suppress Markdown. So if you want the symbols you're using to create Markdown, if you want those to actually appear, you can do that. And that's just the basics. So that's 11 fundamental elements of Markdown, and each one of those gets its own screencast that Eddie or I did showing how to do it. So I guess that's the beginning. I think that's that's chapter two, and if you get through that, you're ready to start writing Markdown. Okay, so how do I actually write Markdown? I mean, I know I can pop open text edit or any, you know, any just plain Jane text editor and, and start typing and, you know, punch in my, you know, my bold or my italics, depending on, you know, how I want to do it with, with my Markdown characters. But, you know, then, you know, maybe I want to sync those between apps or maybe I want to actually convert that to rich text or maybe I want to convert that to HTML. Is that sounds like that's where these apps come in because at some point I want to do something with that plain text I've written. Yeah, and you're right. To begin with, you can write it anywhere. Um, text edit is is just fine. I mean, I know quite a few of notepad, our notepad stickies. What I mean, whatever. Right? Yeah, quite a few of our <laughs> geek friends they write Markdown and text edit, and that's it. They don't need anything else. They've got it figured out. They don't need to run any other programs. Um, but and, and I think that's what kept Markdown kind of in the exclusive domain of super geeks for a long time. That's why it was something that everybody kind of like was aware of. But as soon as you start, you start hearing that, wait, you write it and and text edit, it, and then you run a Perl script on it. And they're like, what? Huh? You know, at, at some point they're like, no, I'm sorry. I need to work for a living. I don't have time to mess with this stuff. And I get that. But that has all changed because of this app economy. And now there are all these apps that do all the work for you. I mean, uh, when they first released Markdown, John had the syntax and then he had the Perl scripts. So it was really two things. You had to get these Perl scripts that you'd run in the terminal to make this conversion. You don't do that anymore. Nobody does that, really. <laughs> At least most people that I know don't do it. So what you do is you just get an app. So uh, one of let's just start. We've got four chapters in the book talking about apps and their platform specific. We've got apps for the Mac, apps for the PC, apps for the iPad, and apps for the iPhone, and then the web. So I guess there's really it's four chapters, but there's five platforms. Um, so you could take it on a kind of a platform by platform basis, and that's one of the fun things about doing the workflow interviews is that Eddie and I had our favorite apps for this. 
virtually everyone we spoke to had their favorite apps for this stuff. So we were talking about apps a lot as we went through those interviews and everybody has kind of their own take on what works best for them. But the most basic markdown friendly apps take care of all the conversion for you. And, um, yeah, yeah there's, there's... and that's and, and that really is a big deal because I mean I remember when I first started using Markdown and I had to figure out you know how do I modify my Bash profile so that <laughs> so that I can convert you know so that I can run this text file through this Perl script and you know and it does you know it, if you're not familiar with that stuff you either have to be extremely determined you know like like a you know a geek like me would sit there for a day and fiddle with that or you just give up on it more likely you know i mean if it can't produce the output that you're looking for you're going to hop back to pages or microsoft word you know back into your comfort zone but that friction on the end you know the back end of you know creating the the finished product is is completely gone now because of these apps and uh, and not only are there i mean there's and there's multiple apps to choose from that all do this not only on the mac but even on your ipad i mean you can literally write an entire blog post in markdown on your ipad convert it to html right there on the device and publish it you know in whatever you know blog publishing app that you might have and that's just it's amazing to me that you can you know, create HTML from such a simple and easy to read syntax. And, you know, I think we talked about this before. I mean, just the word syntax, I think, scares people because it, you know, that's a word that you use a lot, you know, in context with computer languages. And this is, you know, this is not learning Objective-C. I mean, (laughs) it's not a computer language. It's just really learning a way of doing things. And once you spend just a little time with it, you'll realize that it's greatly simplifying the process, not making it more complicated. Yeah, we um I made a point in the very first screencast about markdown syntax, the one that um talks about the italics, such as saying earlier, just two asterisks or two underscores. That's actually a rather long screencast. I think it's three or four minutes because I also show right in the very first one how you take it and then you export it to RTF and you put it in Word or you export it as a Word document or you put it into pages and you see immediately the benefit of this stuff. So it actually walks you through the process in the very first one and all that is done within the ByWord app, which is, I guess, my weapon of choice for most of my everyday writing. And uh, so I'd like to talk about those apps. But I think before we do that, let's talk about a sponsor real quick. And and that's 1Password. And 1Password has been a longtime sponsor of the show. Um, they, uh, they really cornered the market on creating and storing strong and unique passwords. It's just such a relief having 1Password installed on your various devices because whenever something goes haywire, you can always find your passwords. And whenever you create a new service, I just signed up for a new web service today which uh, I could talk about a long time. I found a service where I can download every John Coltrane and the Lonely Monk album, but I'm not going to go there right now. But anyway, so I had to set up a new password for it. And they say, okay, what do you want your password to be? And then you scratch your head and you're like, do I say pencil or something stupid like that? Or no, you just open up one password and it has a password generator in there and it says, would you like it five characters or would you like it 30? You know, so you just crank it over, make this really intense password. Then it pastes it in for you. Then it looks at the website and says, hey, Dave, you just created a new account here. Would you like me to save your Spotify account to one password? Why, yes, 1Password, I would like you to do that. And you press one button and it's saved. So now whenever I go back to you know Spotify to get back into my music, it's going to have my account name and password saved for me, automatically fill it in. The password is so long and complicated, I have no idea what it is. But I'm, I'm safe and secure knowing that 1Password is tracking it for me. 
Not only is it on my Mac, because I'm using the Dropbox sync feature, it's on my phone, it's on my iPad, and it's on my Mac at home. So uh, in the little time it took me to create this really secure password, I've got a great system in place with my passwords covered everywhere. Um, that's just the beginning of what you can do with 1Password. It's got a bunch of really smart people behind it, and they've been making this program better and better over the years. You can store secure data and notes in addition to passwords. You can store your credit card information. It can autofill that for you. It's multi-platform. It's also on Android, and it's on PC. So you can get your passwords anywhere. And it's just a great company with really great people. So uh, if you've been struggling with passwords, then go check it out. And if you've got it figured out already with 1Password, send some of your family members over there. Because I think this is something where, you know, those of us that are really interested in this stuff really need to spread the word. Like Markdown, uh, password security is something that needs to go beyond the bounds of just geeks. This is something that we can all use. So uh, check it out. Um, you can get to one password through our website. And um, I believe there's a discount there, right, Katie? Yeah, there's a little discount for anything that you buy directly through the Agile store, which is great if you need you know, bundle packs and Mac and window packs and, or you need one password for your windows machine. Um, but otherwise I think the best place to buy one password, if you're just, you know, straight Mac or iOS is to grab it from the Mac app store. Yeah. I really like having it from the Mac app store. I bought it and I have it on all my family's computers and my, my wife and my kids who aren't geeks are using one password. They figured it out with a little help from dad and, uh, yeah, just go check it out. I, you really can't go wrong with this app and thanks one password for sponsoring the show. Okay, let's talk about some apps. <laughs> I think we'll start with the Mac because this is the Mac power users, and I think that's where we need to start. And uh, Eddie, now you do most of your Markdown writing, I believe, in Envy Alt. That's right. Yeah, I um, and you know, first of all, I mean, Envy Alt is where everything starts for me, and um, it's just it's so ingrained in how I think that if if I'm just going to start writing something. Envy Alt is there, and I just start writing. And, you know, we all have those moments where, you know, you have an idea and you just start writing, and it just all just starts to pour out of your brain. And so if if I'm in one of those modes, yeah, I'll write the whole thing, write in Envy Alt. But, you know, other times it's just a fragment of something. It's just a thought or a note or a quote or something like that, and I'll put it there, and then I may come back to it later. But it all starts right there in Envy Alt. And, you know, the the beauty of that is uh, with MVAlt, you can, each note is a separate or can be set up to be a separate text file. And um, I have MVAlt aimed at a folder in Dropbox that contains all those text files. And so anytime I make a change to those text files, it's in Dropbox and it, you know, immediately gets synced to Dropbox's servers. And so, you know, I can just close my MacBook and walk out the door. And, you know, later on, if I have another thought in my head on that same note, I pull out my iPhone and, you know, uh, open Notesy. And, and I know I'm jumping from the Mac to iOS, but the point is, you know, the Dropbox having Dropbox behind MVAlt makes it so much more powerful because it gives you a single entry point on your Mac and then it's immediately available everywhere else. But I love MVAlt and huge thanks to Brett Terpstra and uh, Elastic Threads <laughs> um, for uh, making that. You know, I was thinking I was doing the final proofread uh, right before I submitted the book to Apple. And I think there's a legitimate drinking game in this book. Anytime you see the word Brett Terpstra, 
<laughs> because because Brett really he's community he's given so much to this community in terms of markdown growth and I mean Envy Alt is one of his projects and then there's the app Marked which is another fantastic app for the Mac that it it displays anything as markdown so we were talking earlier could you write it in text edit well sure you can and you could have Marked there displaying or previewing it in rich text. Um, right off of the file. Yeah, which is, you just hit on a point you know, I thought about earlier too, because, you know, if people, if they're still listening, hopefully they're pretty curious about this stuff. But if you're if you're concerned about losing that WYSIWYG aspect that you get in a word processor, you don't have to worry because with apps like Marked and even MVAlt has a built-in preview window, you can have a separate window set up that's updating in real time. So as you're writing, you know, so as you add a, a link, it will immediately, you know, you'll see exactly what that'll look like in HTML. So you don't have to, you know, wait to the very end to see what the finished product looks like. You can still see that off to the side. You just don't have to do anything to make that happen. And so if you need that ability, you know, to preview it ahead of time, there's lots of apps that can do that for you. Now, yeah. My app of choice for writing any kind of markdown and, and really my app of choice for being a text editor is ByWord. And that's what it is at its core is just a plain text editor, but it has great built-in markdown support. And what I like about ByWord is you know, it's available on the Mac, it's available on iOS, it syncs via iCloud, it syncs via Dropbox. But I will actually compose long form and ByWord almost all of my blog posts and I write them in markdown. My blog posts, I don't get too fancy with the formatting. I've got you know, bold italics, links, and and things like that, and and that's about it. You know, maybe I'll throw in an image here or there, but you know, but the way that I do my blog post, the images are are usually separate, and I can then because I use Squarespace for my personal blog, copy and just copy and paste that straight Markdown into Squarespace uh, because Squarespace will support Markdown, um, or I can export that Markdown or that text as HTML. Or I can just convert it to a rich text format, and, and if I'm not submitting it for a blog post or I need to submit it to somebody else who's actually going to read it like a human, just send it off as, as rich text. Yeah, and ByWord does all of that right in the app. It's a, I think it's a $10 app. Yeah, and then yeah, it, by, ByWord's great. Right. So almost, yeah, almost and, all of my yeah. writing is in ByWord and then copy and paste it or export it into wherever the endpoint's going to be. And you know, one of the advantages, because Markdown has become such a thing that a lot of these web services now are accepting Markdown. You don't even have to bother converting to HTML anymore. Like Squarespace, which is where Katie and I both blog. I think you have Practically Efficient at Squarespace too, don't you, Eddie? That's right, yep. So you just copy it out of whatever text editor you're writing, the Markdown, and paste it in Squarespace as a Markdown text, and it does all the conversion and posting for you. I don't, I don't even know if they convert it to HTML. I guess they do at some point, but... You know, it's it's just done for you, so you don't even have to think about it. Yeah, that's really nice. I mean, there's there's other platforms that do that. I think Tumblr supports that. I think you can like email in Markdown, and it will uh, convert it for you. And and but even if you have a self hosted WordPress blog, there are um, plugins available that allow you to do exactly the same kind of thing, where you basically compose in Markdown and never have to actually do that conversion step yourself. So, so like if you had a blog post that you published, you know, a year ago and it was in Markdown and you decide, okay, I want to update this, you know, you can go in and just write it in Markdown and you don't have to go in and edit the HTML and that can be very convenient. 
Now, there are a lot of tools that you can use in conjunction or perhaps as you're learning to write Markdown that, that can help make this process easier. I know as, as I was learning Markdown, I, I had some trouble with links and, you know, particularly the reference links where you were putting the links at the end of the, at the end of the, um, uh, at the end of the post. And so um, Brett Terpster, again, drink, um, created a great set of both text expander snippets. Uh, I think they were Brett's text expander snippets and then later services that you could plug in and to use them with your markdown so that, you know, it was, it was kind of cheating. And I don't know whether I'd recommend using them as you're learning, because maybe that would be a little bit more of a crutch or using them once you've actually got things down um, to, to streamline your, your markdown process. Yeah, I think you should use them as soon as you figure them out, because this stuff is not hard to learn. And like I said, you, you get through chapter two, you're going to have the basics of markdown down for lack of a better word but the uh the stuff brett did is great in fact i think the drinking game works for this podcast too because we're going to keep saying his name over and over again but and actually on that theme gabe weatherhead has um sells some uh beer glasses at his website that have markdown syntax on them so just that's uh, right you might, might want to check that out i don't know if it's there because it's comes we're, full circle. we're recording this kind of late so i'm not sure where this is going but uh just throw that out there <laughs> But the but it's it's right. So you know the syntax application can happen, and and really, and we've talked. We had a show on power text editors, and it's all a blur to me now, Katie. That was like a year and a half ago or so. I don't remember how long yeah, ago it was. And I think Brett was actually a guest on that show, if memory serves. But my point at the end of the show was these are great text editors, but. They're really great if you're writing Xcode or if you're a really power web programmer and you're writing, you know, writing in Perl or doing some of this crazy stuff that most of us aren't going to bother with. Um, but if you just want to write Markdown using the services that Brett created, it does most of that work for you. I mean, like one of my favorite is he has a service that it, it applies Markdown. You select a word in anything you're writing and then you fire off the service. And I have it linked to... Um, control option command L for link. And so I hold down those three buttons next to the space bar and I hit the L button. It goes, it does a Google search, it picks the top entry and then creates an inline link to the, um, the top result of that Google search and just inserts it as a link. And quite often it's right on because usually, you know, the word I wrote is pretty descriptive of what I want to link to. So it really can cut down the time you spend. I mean, he's got a service that converts um, inline links to reference links. And that this is stuff you would learn in the book. If this is new to you, just hang in there. You would get it. So, so th that's one of the things we actually spend quite a bit of time on the book is talking about on the Mac. There's some outstanding automation tools that allow you to go from, you know, simply just typing in the markdown syntax to having the computer even do that part for you. Yeah, and, and not only do we cover that, um, just as a reminder, I mean, Brett is one of the people we interviewed at the end, and so he, we actually asked him about how he actually does this stuff, which um, which was very interesting, too. So um, there's definitely a lot from Brett. Now, what happens, David and Eddie and me, I guess, when, when we move to our day jobs and David, I know you and I cheat a little bit, and we we take we've actually taken Max in and and you know moved the PCs to the closet or shoved them in a corner under the desk. But um, how do you continue these workflows for people who have to go and and work on a PC all day at, in the office? Um, that's a great question too. I'm lucky enough to where I I do work on a Mac all day, even for my day job. But um, 
you know, uh, Gabe Weatherhead is one person that fits into that category that you just described. And that's actually one of the things that he talked about in our interview with him is how he's using it um, in an environment or in a workflow where he's, you know, on a Windows PC for a good chunk of the day. And he's trying to, you know, uh, go between that and his his Mac. And, uh, you know, he's he's got some, you know, he uses an app, a web app called TextDrop. Uh, to do that. And he talks about how he uses that. And he also talks about, you know, just sort of his general mentality with Markdown. I think he said, even when he has to use uh, Microsoft Outlook as a mail client, he uses Markdown syntax to write the emails, which was kind of interesting. And, you know, one of the neat things about Markdown is not only, I mean, it's, you know, it's easy to kind of approach it as a tool for writing for the web, but because the syntax, and there's that ugly word again, but it's so minimalist and so intuitive that even somebody that doesn't even know they're reading Markdown can actually read it. I mean, I, I think even if you had no idea what a reference link was, you would still understand what it meant if you saw it on a page. And uh, and you would certainly understand, like if someone wrote a bulleted list in Markdown, it would be very obvious, excuse me, it would be very obvious, you know, that that was supposed to be a bulleted list. And because of that, you really can use it in any context and you're not going to confuse the reader. In fact, you may even make things easier on the reader because it gives you a way of doing things in a very minimalist way without, you know, junking up all the words. Yeah, I, I know I've done that. I've done that in, in memos and emails and um, just notes to people in in Markdown before. I, I try to keep it pretty basic Markdown, but I've I've never had anybody write me back and say what the heck is that. Yeah, I call yeah. it I call it Gorilla Markdown. You know, you're doing <laughs> it without telling people you're doing it. All, all my billing entries at my work is done in Markdown heading format, so they get it. They can it shows the day as a level one and the event as a, or the or the matter as a level two. Um, all of my notes that I keep in NVALT all have. Markdown syntax in them. When I send an email out, it, you know, I do an italics with Markdown style because I send plain text email generally. So it's it's really not that hard for people who who don't understand it to get it. Like, and, and we've been talking quite a bit about reference links. And if Markdown is new to you and you don't know what that is, um, bless you for sticking around and listening. And and it's just real simple. It's almost like a footnote to a link. You you write a word like goofy Max Parkey article and then you put in brackets one and then at the bottom there's another set of brackets with one and a colon after it and a link to the article. So it's not that hard. So it's it's very easy for people to kind of pick this up as you start building stuff around it. And and getting back to the PC question, um, the, the web services is one option, but there also are some markdown applications for the PC. I know you cover one in particular, I, WriteMonkey in your book. So there, there yeah. are some uh, markdown apps up for the PC. Yeah, they're, they're out there. And, and frankly, you don't need a markdown app, frankly. I mean, you can like text edit exists on the, the Mac notepad and there's some other basic text editors on the PC that work just, just as well. We even talked in the book a little bit about trying to do this in pages and word. Now I want to I want to move on and talk about where I think Markdown has really hit its stride, and that's on iOS. But before we do, I want to take a break and talk about our next sponsor, and that is the Omni Group. And we've been talking about work recently, and Omni has really helped me up my game, especially in the office. I mean, I've been using 
Omni's products for years, but especially now that I've got this Mac in my office and that I've been taking my iPad into the office more, I've really had an opportunity to use some of Omni's products to to show off some of my techie skills without, you know, being too techie in the office. And OmniGraffle is one of those products that I use more often than you would think in an office environment. So what you can use OmniGraffle for is to create really wonderful diagrams or graphic designs or flow charts or or anything where you really need to illustrate a point or 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 show something to somebody. You can do that with OmniGraffle. And and here's an example that I had recently that I had to use this in my workplace. Um, it is I was dealing with a, a quiet title action, and basically what that meant is we had to track the lineage of these people who used to own this property who were dead, you know, long since dead for the last several years, and um, track down all of their heirs and make sure that we had quiet, you know, clear title to this property for these for these clients. And we discovered that there were 21 potential heirs, and then some of them had died, and then they had two children, and then some of them had remarried, and so then there were all these kinds of little branches going off for there. And, and we just got this wacky – I mean, there was no way that you could keep track of this information on a notepad. This was something that very clearly had to be sketched out, had to be drawn. You literally had to create a family tree. And then I wanted not just a family tree that, like, someone, you know, drew on a whiteboard, but I wanted something that I could keep and something that had more information on it so that I could put information about people, like date of birth, date of death – Yes, we got a deed from them. This is where it was recorded and, you know, this county and this public records and this page number um, and more information and that this was in a presentable format that, you know, everybody could read and that I could present to my client. And so I have my initial meeting with my client. I start sketching down the information that she gives me and I get a basic sketch of this family tree on my iPad. And then I send her home with homework and then I've got homework and I've got other people in the office working on this project and I move it over to my Mac where we really start building in and filling in the details based on how we pull information out of the public records and the information that my client is able to furnish with me. And we are building number one, beautiful. I mean, when was the last time you said that about a, a flow chart and a diagram that your attorney built for you, but really complicated and complex family tree for this project that, that is going to be the core of, of how we get this thing worked out. So I was impressed. My client was impressed. My partner was impressed. And uh, so, well, well worth the price of admission for OmniGraffle that day. And you know the thing about that is because I do the same thing in the day job and Max Parky. I I create stuff in OmniGraffle all the time. I use it almost like a little doodle pad because they've made the interface so easy to use that it doesn't take that much more time to make a really proper diagram in OmniGraffle than it does to to make it on the virtual whiteboard and. Or on a, a physical whiteboard, for that matter. So, you know, it doesn't take much much longer. And when it's done, you've got this brilliant product that you can incorporate into a keynote if you end up going to trial. Or send it in a report or attach it to a brief or whatever it is that you do in, if you're sales or whatever. It, it just – for a very little extra time, you can have a much better product. And, and people ask me when I do these things if I've paid someone to do that all the time. And it, the fact is I'm just using OmniGraffle. Yeah. So um, like we said, OmniGraffle is available on all your devices. It's on the Mac and the iOS. There's the regular version of OmniGraffle is available for $100, both from the Omni Group web store and from the Mac app store. The pro version adds some enhanced features like um, multi-editing workflows, notes, tables, and support for Visio, and that's $200. And then you can get it on your iPad for $50. And Omni offers free trials of all their products. So if you think this is something that you're interested in, 
Go check it out. You can download a free trial from Omni's website. And they've got a money-back guarantee even on their iOS products. So go if you grab it and it just doesn't work out for you, but I know it will, um, you can get a money-back guarantee on it too. So thanks to Omni Group for their continued support of the show. All right, All right. so you want to talk about iOS now? Yeah, let's talk about iOS because that's, I think, where, where Markdown is, has really kind of gotten its second win recently. I agree. I mean, I think that's where it becomes a lot more relevant to people. Before it was, you know, at, at one point it was something people used to write for the web. And, you know, there's not that many people writing for the web. But now anybody who writes can use this stuff. And the apps have made it even more useful. So then the question becomes, what tool do you use on your various devices to do it? Well, I, I would start with ByWord again because I've got ByWord on the Mac. I bought ByWord for the iPad and the iPhone. It works on both. And that's a really great example of iCloud Sync for me because everything is just there. I was working on a kind of a detailed report thing I was doing at the work today. We're recording this on a weeknight. And I could open up my phone right now and pick up the cursor. It'll be right where I left off in ByWord. So I've yep. gone from my Mac to my phone and it's just there. And and in addition to being very sync friendly, it, ByWord not only syncs in iCloud, it also syncs in Dropbox. Um, it's got all those great tools we were talking about uh, on both the iPad, the iPhone, and the Mac to export that. So, for instance, I can push a button and it'll save the stuff I've been writing in Markdown to HTML format. It'll do the conversion right within the app and put it in the copy buffer. I never have to see the ugly HTML. It's just there. And then if I had a WordPress blog, for instance, I could open the WordPress blog and I could paste the HTML and I'd be done with my post. But I could also... Um, export it to rich text or, you know, there's all these things you can do with it. So I guess I'd start with ByWord. That's, that's the main one I use. Eddie, what do you use? Yeah, I use ByWord too. Um, but I, I don't know what it is about Notesy, but I really just like Notesy. I think it, to me, it feels like NVAlt. It's sort of my NVAlt home away from my Mac. <laughs> um, the interface is very similar and, uh, and so I like, you know, the ability to just really create things or find things that I've already created very quickly. Um, it doesn't have a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of markdown features, but there are just enough. Recently, they added a new um, special top level key row that sits on top of the default iPad keyboard and it gives you access to a lot of the characters that you need. I mean, for example, if you're writing in markdown, uh, you're going to be going to the asterisk key a lot, probably, and you're probably going to be going to the you know brackets keys a lot. And on the default iPad keyboard, those uh, symbols are two to three levels deep, and so it can be very you know tedious to have to you know hit the number key or shift or whatever on the iPad keyboard to dig down, and then it you know throws you back out to the top level, and then you need to go back, and that can be frustrating. But so they. Um, you know, added that top level and uh, some other apps do that too, um, which can be really nice, really facilitates your writing. And um, just like ByWord, I believe uh, with Notesy, you can convert the markdown to HTML, it just puts it right on the clipboard uh, of iOS, whether you're on the iPad or the iPhone version, and then you can just do whatever you want with it. Um, another really powerful uh, app for iOS if you're a Markdown writer is Nebulous Notes and uh, Nebulous Notes and, and we cover that and this is a great example of an app that I think really benefits from having a screencast and uh, because it's so powerful you can create custom macros 
that, uh, you know, it, and, and, and if you're not into, you know, that type of thing, I mean, just know that if you spend just a little bit of time creating some custom macros, you can do things that are just, it's just unbelievable how fast you can write and mark down. For example, uh, you can have a macro that creates a reference link from a URL that you've copied from Safari. So if you come across a page in Safari that you want to link to, you know, it's trivial to copy that to your clipboard, jump back to Nebulous Notes, and you can just select the text that you want to link, almost like you were in, you know, like a, a, a rich text word processor. It's sort of the same concept where you select the text, tap a button, and it, you know, wraps it in brackets and creates a hyperlink right there for you. But, but of course, it all stays in plain text. So Nebulous Notes is is <laughs> highly customizable. Really, the sky's the limit uh, on that. So I use yeah. that some too. And I think Eddie really killed it on that. Um, on that screencast. I thought you did a really good job of explaining that, which I think it, it's something that's useful to everyone. Now, you, when you're listening to this, you may say, I don't want to do auto macro. You know, all of a sudden it sounds like, you know, what do I, what am I doing here? I want to write. <laughs> but you right. know, like I said, you spend a few minutes and it will save you a lot of time over the future. And this is something anybody can do. Uh, I, I think maybe that's a theme for me of this whole book is Markdown is it's not just for geeks because it really is something that that very anybody that writes can use and take advantage of. One of the things I didn't talk about when we were talking about using our our Markdown tools on the Mac is Scrivener, which is my tool for writing big projects like novels and and books. I use Markdown in that as well, and it reads Markdown and it exports Markdown to various formats. And one of the things I do is Scrivener will will sync a file to Dropbox. So I have a particular folder in Dropbox that syncs to my current book project in Scrivener. And yes, there is another field guide in the works already. And that to me syncs to Notesy. So I use Notesy as just a window into one really big project in my life. That's all it keeps. And then it syncs it over. But all that stuff is done in Markdown. We even wrote this book in all Markdown. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope. <laughs> and we haven't, yeah, we haven't really talked about how we did that. And I think it's worth just mentioning the fact that not only did we write it all in Markdown, it because it was in Markdown, and this gets back to a point I made before, we were able to transition through several different platforms in doing this. I mean, at one point in the very early stages, we were working out of a shared Google Docs, which you know might really surprise people that you know we'd be writing Markdown in Google Docs, but it actually worked very well because if you're, you know, if you're trying to collaborate on something, there's a lot of really nice, you know, collaborative features that, that are a part of Google Docs. But because we kept it in plain text and kept it in Markdown, we were able to transition that uh, to a pages document that we used to, you know, track changes, but it still stayed in the Markdown syntax. And then, of course, we were able to ultimately put it into iBooks Author. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we did the whole thing in Markdown and it worked great. And, I mean, it it's it's amazing. It's worth just saying. I mean, I'm kind of in awe of watching. The, I mean, David's written several books. This was my first, and this is the first time I've, you know, seen something come together, you know, and evolve into a finished product like this, a big writing project. And it's really amazing how powerful it can be to, you know, just pull open, you know, open up MVAlt, type a few paragraphs in Markdown. And then later you, you paste that into, you know, the body of the book and you do that enough and all of a sudden this book happens. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was 
a really fulfilling aspect of working on this. You know, one of my favorite stories of this book is as Eddie's mother, is she retired or is she a current English? She's an English teacher, right? She, she used to be an English teacher. Yeah. She's about to retire. So, so we thought, Hey, here's somebody that, uh, knows a little bit about the language and isn't going to charge us too much. So let's have another person proofread it. And she knew nothing about Markdown. She took the book. She proofread the book, sent us back the changes all in Markdown syntax. Yeah, she did. That's right. I was really impressed by that. So, um, so you, I'm so hoping mom, that's a good omen. <laughs> if nothing else, we taught his mom Markdown in the process of writing this book. Right. That's right. awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that, that was really cool. So. Uh, that that was pretty cool. I have to admit. <laughs> but so, so, go ahead. Go ahead no, I was just going to ask you a little bit more about about how you guys actually wrote this book. You started it in Google Docs, and then did it stay? My guess is it didn't stay in Google. I mean, it didn't stay in Google Docs the whole time. Where did you go after that? Did you did you uh, pick and choose different chapters that you were going to each focus on, or portions of chapters that you were going to focus on, and then divvy up the screencasts or? Yeah, we um we started in Google Docs. We had a markdown outline all in markdown formatting and and uh, actually I think the book may have started out in Omni Outliner if memory serves, but it's been so long I kind of forgot. We got delayed a couple times with just various things going on in each other's lives. But um so we spent quite a bit of time in Google Docs and we were both just in there working on it and We'd both go in and write wherever we thought we felt the muse at the time. And we did kind of have ideas about who was going to write what sections. And a lot of times I would write a section, like I would take a section that I wanted to write, like the byword section, since I'm so crazy about byword. So I would say David in that. And then I would write that in byword on my iPad. And then I would just copy the text and paste it into the Google Doc on my Mac. So I didn't necessarily write in Google Docs that much, but that was kind of like a a a joint bank of text that we were working in. Because Google Docs is so good at letting multiple people work in at the same time, you always knew you were safe. Um, and then at some point we said, you know what, this is pretty good. And we, you know, we took all the text out of Google Docs, wrote a big note in all caps at the top, you know, don't work here anymore. And then we had a pages document. And uh, the reason we put in pages is because uh, my fantastic proofreader uh, and friend is using pages as well. And I want to track changes on these changes as we start going through. So Eddie and I did kind of another couple read throughs on it. And then we sent it off to her for her proofreads. And uh, we want to do that in pages so we get the track changes and decide where we were going to accept or reject her changes. We did kind of have a trick for that though. And I think I may have talked about this before on our show in other contexts, but whenever I share a document with somebody that's not very share friendly, like a pages document or an iBooks author document, uh, one trick I have is I make a little text file in the folder with the document and it says file status and the people working on it understand that if they ever take the document out or start working on it, they change the color of that text file to red. And then so so if Eddie was going to work on the pages document, he'd set the label to red. And then if I went in there and Dropbox and I saw the labels red, then I'd say, OK, then I can't touch it. And then when he's done, he would change it back to green. Yeah, it's and, the and that proverbial becomes, tie on the doorknob. Yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, right. And 
and you know, and it becomes really important once you get to iBooks Author, and especially once I mean, the iBooks Author file starts to really balloon when you start adding all the media, and we we put off that to the last minute. I mean, we, you know, and and that's a good tip for anybody that's trying to write something in iBooks Author is if you're going to include a lot of screencasts, you know, get the text the way you want it as much as you can so that you're not trying to sync an iBooks author file that's, you know, a gigabyte in size because it's loaded down with video because iBooks author, I'm not sure, you know, the technical reasons for it, but uh, Dropbox doesn't Delta sync it very well. And so, you know, if you save it or make any kind of change, I think Dropbox basically has to re-upload the whole file. And depending on the speed of your internet connection, you know, it, it could be you know, hours in some cases before the next guy uh, can get a hold of it. And if, you know, two people were to try to open that file and edit it at the same time, you'd have all sorts of conflicts or sync conflicts. So that little trick that David mentioned with a text file is really useful. And uh, and it's something that's kind of unique to the Mac because I don't think on a PC you can color files like that. So that that's really, of course, you could, you know, you could change the name of the file or do something, you know, like that. But uh but it's definitely a good best practice. I, I always tell every time I do this collaborations with somebody, I did the same with Brett when we did the 60 tips book is I said, well, let's go ahead and write down like a, use it as a change log. You know, that text file doesn't have to just be a label. You could also date stamp and say, I went in and fixed, you know, chapter four or whatever. <laughs> and I always have this idea that we're going to do that. I never actually do it. <laughs> I, I guess. Cause you know, when we go in it, we're making changes all over the place and, documenting all that doesn't really seem um, a good use of time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the, the key thing is, is not so much the technology, but just the persistence and the perseverance. I mean, as David said, I mean, we're both extremely busy. I mean, we have day jobs, we have families. And, you know, one of the things that this experience taught me is, is really, you know, the difference between, something like this happening and something not happening because anybody can have an idea to create a book or do something, but and, and as motivated as you are, and, and clearly Dave and I are both very motivated people, there's always, you know, moments where, you know, there's all these other things going on in your life and it's so easy just to kind of put things on the back burner and not return to it. But I think both of us, we work so well together and, uh, both of us, you know, kept each other motivated and kept it going. And if you just kind of push through, you know, those, those spots and, you know, work a little bit later at night, you know, your back's hurting or whatever, and you're, you know, ready to go to bed, just, you know, keep, keep moving. I mean, you'll get to the end. And, and, um, so that's, that's really why it happened, you know, more than the technology is just, you know, two people, you know, pushed it all the way through to the end. Yeah. Well, guys, I want to talk a little bit and, and just cover very briefly. I know we've been going for a little more than an hour. You know, kind of your markdown flows and, and and final thoughts on on this and and what people can do to get started with markdown. But before we do, I want to mention our last sponsor for this episode, and that is Daisy Disk. And you, you talked about making these screencasts and making these iBooks author files and how they can be such large files. And you know, that's kind of what Daisy Disk is for. Is it's for finding out where all of that space on your Mac went, which is more and more important in these days of SSDs. And I know we were talking before the podcast started about, hey, can I got, you know, David, you're running with less than 20 gigs free. And Eddie, can you clear off this file in the Dropbox? Because it's it's so large and taking up space. And I was talking about, you know, on this 256 gig SSD I've got in my MacBook Air, 
I used to always run with it, you know, about 150 gigs free. And, you know, lately I've been, I've been running under 70 or 80 gigs and where was that disk space going? And, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. It just kind of creeps up on you. And so when you're wondering where your disk space went, there's an app for that. And that app is Daisy Disk. So what Daisy Disk does is it will scour your hard disk and not just your internal drive, but also external drives as well and tell you exactly where your space is being used. And it does it in a unique way compared to other apps because it gives you this unique interactive map of concentric circles. So you'll see this color-coded map of this big blob of green over here. Maybe that represents my home folder. And then when I drill into it a little bit deeper, maybe this represents my iTunes folder. Or if I drill into it a little deeper, maybe this represents my podcast folder in there. Or this other blob over here, maybe that represents my library folder and my application support folder. And then I've got a mail bundle that's that's ballooned out of control in there. And you can figure out exactly what's going on, what files you can trash, where maybe the files are that you've forgotten about, and go ahead and clean back and reclaim some of that space on your disk or figure out what you need to go ahead and archive off and and manage your disk space. So Daisy Disk is just one of my essential apps to manage the space on my solid state drive. And it's really gorgeous. Um and a steel too. I mean, it used to be 20 bucks. It's now only 10 bucks. It's available in the Mac App Store, which means you can buy it once and use it on all your authorized machines. Um, so check it out in the uh, Mac App Store, or you can pick it up from their website. And when you do, do me a favor and send them a note and let them know that you heard about them on Mac Power users uh, and how much we appreciate their support of the show. It's like one of my pre-show rituals now on this family-shared iMac with a daughter that does video is I, I wrote up, load up Daisy disc a half hour before we record and figure out what I can delete so we can record another episode of Mac power users. <laughs> Otherwise we're not getting the audio. <laughs> yeah. Just such a great app. Um, yeah. So where were we going? Well, do you, do you want to share some of, some of your favorite tips and, and, and thoughts for, uh, for your workflows? Yeah, you know, there's so many ways to do this stuff. Once you learn the basics of it, you're going to come up with your own little tweaks and tricks to make it more efficient for you. I know for me, it's really come down to finding one or two good apps that I like that that sync the data everywhere, which is like NVAll by a word. Another one I didn't mention in the show yet is IA Writer, which I, every time I use it, I really like it, except for the fact that I've just got so invested in ByWord. Um, but, you know, so you find a couple apps that work for you. And then I think the, the real magic is the services Brett Terps are put together. You get those markdown services installed and figure them out. And you're going to start writing really fast. And, and one other app that, um, I know you've you've probably mentioned this a couple of times on Mac Power Users is a text expander. <laughs> oh, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, yeah, <laughs> being very sarcastic. And uh, text expander, I, I use it all the time when I write in Markdown, and and we there's a section in the book on how we use text expander, and we we also illustrate that in a screencast and. Uh, text expander for you know most of the people that listen to mac power users probably already own a text expander license but you know it's it's just a utility that you run on your mac uh, that allows you to expand um, small pieces of text called snippets into larger pieces of text anywhere anything from email addresses to email signatures to 
Um, I use it for filling out web forms all the time with um, street addresses and things like that. But um, but I have some custom text expander snippets set up that just facilitate the way I personally write in Markdown. And uh, if you use text expander and you, you really take to Markdown, I think it's sort of a match made in heaven. I think you'll immediately think of ways that you can use those two things together. And of course, like I said, we have lots of or we have several examples in the book about how we uh, have created text expander snippets. And we actually have a gallery of images uh, screenshots of the uh, snippets that we use that might be really useful. So um, d- just wanted to mention Text Expander. And we've got a download link in the book so you can go to a website and download the snippets to install on your own computer. I mean, this is the one of the great things about ebooks is you, there are no limits. You can really kind of expand the boundaries. So the book is available. It's designed in iBooks authors. So it's, it's available. It's in the iBook store and it's in like a gazillion different countries, right? It's in uh, – remarkably, it's in <laughs> 50 – well, it's in 51 countries. I mean just – you know, when you think about that, here I am, the small publisher, I guess for lack of a better word, um, you know, got this book out and it's in 51 countries on launch day. You know, I just can't get over that, you know, 51 countries. It's 10 bucks or $10 US or whatever the equivalent is wherever you live and you get – the full book, 135 pages. You get 27 screencasts, an hour and a half of video. I don't know how many audio interviews, but it adds up to over an hour of audio files. And, um, you know, the screen galleries of the text expander snippets. It's, it, I think it really, the, the idea of this book, like, you know, the every Max Barkey field guide, the, the mission statement for the Max Barkey field guides is to turn you into a badass wielder of technology. And uh, I think we did it with this one, Eddie. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that you could come into this book not knowing anything about Markdown and, you know, just reading chapter two, you're going to know how to write Markdown. And if you, you know, continue through to the end and pick out a few apps to experiment with yourself, I mean, you will really be doing this, you know, that same day that you read the book. I mean, and that, that and I'm not exaggerating that. I mean, it really is that easy to pick up, especially if you have it, you know, bundled into you know, this kind of resource that we've created here. So, well, I, I think you guys have done it because I've been flipping through the book. I've had access to it for a little while now. And, uh, I, I have learned some things I've been writing in Markdown for a while now. I, I've been using it for a couple of years and then really have been using it the last, last couple of months. Probably I've been using it pretty seriously and I found stuff that I couldn't do using this book and additional ideas for workflows and tools. So I think there's something in there for everybody, something in there for somebody who is completely novice and just inter- interested in this Markdown thing and wants to get more out of it and versus somebody who is already writing in Markdown and uh, thinks that they've got something going but wants wants to tweak their workflow or wants to learn some more advanced techniques. Th- this book is kind of a one-stop shop resource for it, so – I, I congratulate you both. It's it's an amazing accomplishment, and I think you've really got something special here. Well, Thanks if we lot, taught Katie. if we taught Katie Floyd something, then mission accomplished. I know, I'm telling you, I think. <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll probably uh, wrap it up there. So, Eddie, um, we know we know the book is available in in uh, in the iBook Store in 51 different countries. And Eddie, where can where can people go to find out more about you? 
Um, probably the best place to follow me online is uh, my blog, practicallyefficient.com. I'm also on Twitter, and my Twitter ID is Eddie underscore Smith, E-D-D-I-E. So uh, those are the two places that I tend to make the most noise. And David, I'm sure we'll have links in the show notes, but is there a specific website set up for this book yet or someplace that people can go other than the iBookstore to get more information? Yeah, the landing page is maxsparky.com slash markdown. Oh, so okay. that's easy enough. And then Eddie's got one on his page too, which I believe is practicallyefficient.com slash markdown. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you can check out either of those pages just to see a overview of the chapters. And uh, we also have links to the iBookstore. And, uh, and we created, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but we created um, a PDF version. So just in case people don't have an iPad, um, we did create a PDF version. And when you purchase that, you will get all the multimedia files uh, down. You can download those, and so you can look at. It's not, you know, it's not as ideal as as having it on the iPad and having everything in one spot. But uh, you know, you could still watch the videos on your computer as you read the PDF off to the side. I guess. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some people that either live in a country that doesn't have an iBookstore, or they just don't have an iPad and. You know, markdown is just as important for them. So uh, we have this PDF file. I did the same thing with paperless and 60 tips. You you don't get, you get everything. There's no, nothing held back. So all the screenshot of the galleries, there's going to be a screenshot of each one of those in the, in the file. Um, every screencast is in there in an M4V file format, which means you can just drop it right into iTunes and then watch it on your Apple TV or on your Mac or wherever you want. And they're all um, they're all optimized for Apple TV in case you want to do that. And then all of those audio interviews are in there, too. So you, you get the whole enchilada if you do the mm-hmm. PDF. Same price. And then there's a link there and it goes through and sets that up for you. Good deal. It's a it's a big download, though. So if you do that PDF, just be wary. You know, it'll take a little while to get that down. The actual final iBooks author project, I think, was like 1.2 or 1.3 gigabytes. But the deliverable file is, I think, about 850 megabytes. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't download it if you have uh, data caps. <laughs> yeah, don't download yeah. it on the device with data caps. There, yeah, yeah do it do it on Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we will have links to everything that we talked about in this episode, including where you can find the books on iBooks Author, where you can find Eddie and David and their respective websites. Um, as well as where you can find that PDF version of the book. And you can find links to all of that stuff on our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 131, because this is episode 131. Yeah, you know what's kind of funny, Katie, is I linked this episode in the book. So Yeah, um, optimistic, huh? So, Good thing yeah, well, we I kept just, to the outline. I, I, I planned it out, you know, and I, I figured we'd be about to 131 when the book released. So... Um, if you may be listening to this podcast because you found it inside the book, which is uh, pretty remarkable as well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Stuff like that just makes me giggle. I can't. There you it. go. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, you, I think Katie just puts up with me, Eddie. Uh-oh. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> if you I mean, have you're comments, so, you're so ahead, ubiquitous. Dude. I mean, you know, you got your podcast and the Max Sparky Field Guide series. I mean, it's just it's very circular. You're everywhere at one time. I love this stuff. I am so happy that I'm able to do it, and I just I just love it. Yeah, and, uh, and I just want to so. say, David, I mean, it was such an honor working with you, and, you know, I'm, I'm so proud of the work that you've done in your Field Guide series. Uh, the first two books were awesome. I, I read them both immediately, and it's just – it's very cool just being a little, you know, part of that. And uh, um, I learned – 
a lot from you. And it just, you know, you know, people, you've got a lot of fans online that follow you and, you know, you're so passionate about all this stuff. And, and even though you're not, you know, you still have a day job, it's not your primary gig. I, I mean, you're, you're so professional in your approach. And I think that really impressed me throughout the whole process. It's just everything that you've learned and uh, were able to apply to this book. And, and I learned so much just about, you know, how you create a book and, and all the little logistics about it. So, um, it was a, a educational experience for me. It was a very, very enriching well, it was an absolute joy writing it with you as well, Eddie, and um, I consider you a, a great friend. So I'm glad we were able to do it together, and I, I hope a lot of people out there now go and learn Markdown and do something amazing with it. I totally agree. All right, guys. Well, we will close this there. Um, thanks to our sponsors for this episode, One Password, Hover, Omni, and Daisy Disk, and uh, we will talk to you all next time.